On the record on News Talk. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation. We are joined on the line, direct live from the Munich Security Conference by the Minister for Foreign Affairs and Defence, Simon Coveney. Minister, good afternoon. Hi, Gavin. Uh, thank you very much for joining us this lunchtime because I know it's a fairly packed schedule uh, in Munich. Um, you've spent the last couple of days talking with your counterparts from other European countries, from Ukraine, from the United States uh, and beyond. What is your assessment this lunchtime of the likelihood of avoiding a major military conflict in Ukraine? Well, I have to say the mood is very pessimistic here. Um, I, I think that the, you know, the, the view of virtually everybody I've met uh, is that some form of invasion of Ukraine is now the expectation rather than a possibility. Uh, and although, obviously, there is clear commitment to, to continue to pursue diplomatic solutions uh, and also to put a very strong deterrent in place to prevent Russia from making that decision, uh, the expectation and the intelligence that informs that expectation uh, is giving a, uh, a very negative outlook um, of what we're likely to see in the next few days even. Uh, in the context of uh, Russia's potential intention to to invade uh, either part of Ukraine uh, or all of us. Um, Your assessment this time yesterday or a little earlier in the weekend was that you still thought that there was a good prospect of diplomacy being able to de-escalate this whole situation. Can I I take it that the engagements you've had since then have taken away some of that optimism? Well, look, I mean, I I think we have an obligation to continue to pursue diplomatic means to try to diffuse tension. Um, and, and I think we need, uh, you know, to continue to call on Russia to uh, take credible, credible moves on the ground to de-escalate and to remove um, their military build-up. And, but unfortunately, the opposite is happening. You know, we have today, um, the Belarusian Defense Ministry has confirmed that Russian troops are there to stay now indefinitely in Belarus despite the fact that they were only supposed to be there for temporary exercises. And, of course, we, we're seeing more and more images um, on Russian media of, of Russians in eastern Ukraine having to flee uh, of tented villages on the border, uh, which, again, uh, is viewed here as uh, uh, trying to create, through false information, uh, the justification for, for military action. Um, and this has been predicted, of course, for the last number of number of days and weeks by some. Now, having said all that, uh, I still think that um, that there is potential for diplomatic intervention and for de-escalation. Um, but nobody really knows. Uh, but all I'd say is, and I think it's important that I'm honest with the public on this, um, there is uh, a real sense of uh, foreboding, if you like, uh, that actually things are moving in the wrong direction rather than in the direction of de-escalation for now. Uh, and um, the response to that, um, I think, has to be for us to continue to try. And even the, um, uh, the Ukrainian president yesterday uh, has called for uh, bilateral dialogue with, with President Putin to try to defuse tension and avoid military conflict. And we're just going to have to wait and see how Russia responds to that. Um, I mean, also, Secretary Blinken has also called uh, for uh, for a meeting with uh, Foreign Minister Lavrov in Europe. And again, as far as I'm aware, uh, there hasn't been any response to that request. 
I was actually just going to ask you just on that front, is there anybody from the Russian government at that Munich Security Conference or is it largely just a de facto meeting of, of Western countries and NATO members? Well, it's it's not only Western countries. I mean, you know, Iran are here, Jordan are here, Saudi Arabia are here, um, India, um, as well as, of course, many NATO member states and yeah. some non-NATO member states. But, but so, not Russia, you know, obviously. The Munich Secu- but not Russia, no. They... they, they um, uh, they declined the invitation to be here. Um, you know, in some ways, given the tension that's taking place at the moment, that's understandable. But, um, but, but no, I think there is a broad range of representatives here, including the UN, uh, at a very senior level. Uh, and everybody shares the concern in terms of the, the direction of travel here. Um, and you know, the, the idea that we would have a full-scale war in Europe in 2022 uh, is just almost unthinkable. Um, but when you look at the extent of the military buildup uh, that is surrounding Ukraine now, or at least two thirds of the Ukraine is, is surrounded, um, uh, it is it is deeply worrying. Uh, and um, we will continue, of course. Tomorrow there's a there's a, an EU foreign ministers meeting in Brussels. We're actually meeting with the Ukrainian foreign minister tomorrow morning. Uh, and we'll continue the discussion and uh, and continue to look for diplomatic ways of diffusing tension and avoiding war. Mm. Uh, but um, but the outlook at the moment is pretty bleak. Um, I also see as well that the US Vice President Kamala Harris, who's at the same conference as yourself, has spoken in the last yeah. hour and a half or so. And she says that we believe that Putin has made his deci- decision, period, and that Europe is, as you say, on the brink of, of possible war. Um, is there any assessment that the other Western powers have, have shared with you, Minister, about what exactly uh, Russia's intentions would be. That presumably if, if they're looking to, to try and annex some further territory or have some sort of all-out war in Ukraine, that, that what their ultimate purpose is for doing so? Well, I mean, you know, we can only speculate on that. And it depends who you speak to in terms of what may happen militarily in the coming days and weeks, uh, whether that is uh, effectively an intensification of, of military a conflict in in eastern Ukraine, or whether it's actually an all-out invasion that would involve uh, Kiev, uh, the capital city, which um, and we just don't know. Uh, there are different perspectives on that, and you know, intelligence different different intelligence intelligence that we've seen suggests uh, a different approach. And of course, through all of this, the message from Russia, whether it's from its ambassador in Dublin or whether it's from the Kremlin, is that they have no intention. Of invasion at all, uh, yeah. and this is a this is a fabrication by the West to create tension, uh, which you know I don't think is credible any longer. I have to say, if, uh, if it is I'm not, not sure not, it was ever credible, to be honest. Yeah, well, if if it is not credible, then it must make that your trust in diplomacy to to finally sort of you know avert this threat of war pretty narrow. If if you think that all the the direct statements from Ambassador Yuri Filatov or from Sergei Lavrov or anyone else, if they just don't stack up, that if they are not speaking truthfully about their intentions, it must make it very difficult then to find some peaceful solution to this. Yeah, I mean, you know, but there are obvious and basic questions. You know, why are we getting confirmation from the Belarusian Defense Ministry today that Russian troops are going to stay indefinitely, you know, thousands of them in, in Belarus? Uh, you, you know, these are... These are obvious and practical questions, uh, and you know. So, so, of course, you have to question diplomacy here. But you know, international diplomacy on something as complex and as delicate as this is is not easy. Um, but you know, certainly from what I've been hearing, 
the attempts for what would normally happen here, which is intensive back-channel efforts for dialogue, have really been going nowhere. Uh, and that is very worrying because often what you hear in public in terms of diplomatic exchanges isn't the true story. Um, but what's really worrying, I think, here in Munich is that what we're hearing publicly and what's happening privately in terms of back channels uh, aren't a whole lot different. Uh, and that is unusual uh, on something that is as this, that is potentially as this devastating, uh, that is as potentially devastating as this is for Ukraine and for Europe as a whole. I mean, don't forget, not only would this mean an extraordinary loss of life in Ukraine um, for both um, Russian and Ukrainian citizens, um, but it would also fundamentally change relationships in Europe between East and West, uh, and nobody wins in that scenario, uh, because undoubtedly, uh, should an invasion happen, uh, you know, severe sanctions would follow. Um, and then a response to those sanctions from Russia. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, everybody loses, East and West. Uh, and, of course, the, the consequences of war uh, and the madness uh, of the decision uh, to, uh, uh, to progress military conflict on that scale, um, mm. I think fundamentally changes uh, the relationship between Russia and, uh, and the European Union for, for a considerable period to come. Okay. Um, obviously, there will be downstream effects for uh, the West and for, for Ireland a little further down the line, but there will be some short-term concern around what that may mean for the Irish families who are pursuing surrogacy services in Ukraine. And I know that your department has already been in touch with Irish citizens in Ukraine and that you've already had some consular assistance for, for those who are seeking to travel to Kiev and to Lviv. Um, what can you say to those people who might be fretful that war could mean not being able to go and retrieve their own children? Yes, I, I need to be careful with, with what I say in relation to individual family circumstances, but can I just say that our team in the embassy in Kiev and our consular team in Dublin have been literally working through the night with families to try to ensure that the families that have been involved in surrogacy over the last few days can get home safely. Um, and, um, and just to reassure everybody that there are a number of families involved here and they're all safe and a number of them are on their way home this afternoon, uh, which is a which is a good outcome. Um, but of course, there are other families that were expecting children to be born in the coming days, uh, and our advice is not to travel to uh, to Ukraine. But of course, uh, we will work individually with with the families to try and find solutions uh, under you know difficult circumstances to keep everybody safe, but also to to unite parents with with children that are being born. And you know our our team are working closely with uh, with families to make sure that we get the right outcome. It must be a concern, though, if you have um, children who are likely to be born to surrogate mothers in areas like Kiev, which are much more within immediate threat of, of uh, Russian aggression, that if, uh, for example, I mean, commercial air flights would, of course, completely cease to Kiev if there was to be any threat of conflict in that part of the world. So it'd be very difficult to even manufacture a travel route for people to be able to get there safely. That's right. And um, some commercial airlines have already stopped flying uh, to to Ukraine, so KLM made that decision last week. Uh, and my understanding—I don't want to uh, give out any commercially sensitive information—but my understanding is that a number of airlines in the next few days are likely to, to stop commercial flights as well. So um, Ryanair are continuing to fly, um, and um, uh, uh, and have been helpful, I have to say, in relation to um, to some of the work that we've been doing 
in sensitive circumstances with families over the last few days. Okay, Minister, I know that there's uh, plenty of other questions that we'd like to, to be able to put to you about the downstream consequences of what's going on, but I know you have another engagement that you need to get to, so we'll let you go. Thank you very much for joining us this lunchtime. Uh, Minister for Foreign Affairs Thanks, and Defence, Simon Coveney, lo- joining us live from the Munich Security Conference uh, this lunchtime on the record. On the record. On News Talk. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation.